Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 66 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Doug Richard, a crew chief that has spent a lot of years in all levels of NASCAR. We will get the chance to talk to Doug about his career and what he's up to nowadays. And later on, we'll have our news and notes segment for the latest happenings in the world of NASCAR and all the motorsports. And then we'll end the show with our Ask David segment with questions that you have submitted to us. We will react to those at the end of the show. As always, we are presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, Kim Moore is the primary sponsor this year on David's Ford Mustang. And we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Tickets Monitor is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fancy you get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Kevin World Truck Race throughout the season. Visit ticketsmarter.com. That's ticketsmarter.com. David Starr joins us right now off of a weekend in Darlington, South Carolina. David, how did Darlington treat you on a Mother's Day weekend? Man, it was uh, it was awesome. Any anytime you got you racing at the historical Darlington Raceway Throwback Weekend, it was just so cool to see all the throwbacks. Hell, I think Chase, Chase Elliott ran a Jimmy Means throwback. I thought that was really cool, and and uh, you know just all the different throwbacks, you know, and uh, it's just so cool to see to see the different race cars that we saw when we were growing up racing a NASCAR, you yeah. know, and. Uh, and what they look like and, and what the crew members are wearing. And, uh, you know, a lot of the TV personalities and the marketing, the, the PR girls and everybody just wore a lot of, I saw a lot of bell bottoms, you know, bell bottoms jeans and uh, man, it was just awesome. There's so much history there at Darlington and it's really cool that NASCAR and the Darlington Raceway, you know, really preserve, preserves history, you know, yes. brings it back. Uh, for a race, and I just thought that's cool. And now it's like we're stepping back in time. Wasn't it? It's amazing, you know. We got Doug Richards going to join us here in a little bit. You know, I, I remember as a kid, you know, Doug Richard won the nineteen. I think he was, you know, we'll hear. You know, there's so much history behind Doug, but you know, you think about Doug, and there's so many throwbacks that he was that he could be part of. You know, 1980. Uh, you know. Crew champion crew chief with Dylan Earnhardt, but man, it was just a great weekend, and I was just glad to be there racing. It was awesome. But, and uh, yeah, the uh, throwback uh, car that you ran uh, to to Bobby's scheme uh, back in '94, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw Jason Miller rocking the old fire suit from uh, from Bobby. Tell us about that. It was pretty cool, man. You know, I, before I even made it to NASCAR in 1990, you know, I think I made it in 1998, 97. And, and um, you know, I was a fan of Bobby Dodders. You know, I didn't know Bobby, but, you know, going to a lot of races and watching the Bush Series and stuff like that, you know, Bobby Dodder, you know, that daughter name just kind of stuck out. And I remember back in the early 90s when I was following, watching on TV and go to some NASCAR car races to see the 08 car Bobby Bobby daughter would drive didn't know Bobby but I remember seeing the Hyde's tool car you know and, and uh and you know in in talking with my team and Maggie Fix my PR person and uh you know it's just kind of cool to be able to have a throwback for, to the team motor that you're employed by or you're yeah. driving for you know and it it was neat and, and you know speaking of Jason Miller my crew chief <laughs> it was awesome man uh, you know Bobby Bobby had a lot of, of uh, 
stock back from 1993, 92 that he brought to the racetrack and it was cool to see. And uh, he brought his uniform, his high tools uniform from that year that we're throwing him back, going back to. And, uh, and I asked Bob, why don't you wear that thing and come <laughs> to pit road and take some pictures? It'd be kind of cool. He said, David, I probably shouldn't say this, but he said, don't fit me no more. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, Jason Miller put it on, man. And he was so proud. It was just cool, you know, and just our throwback was awesome. But just the whole uh, sport of NASCAR, you know, we had Matty D on last week and to see his throwback to Sterling Marlin, uh, the Coors Light car all yep. those years. And there was just so many, man. It was just a cool weekend. It was awesome. Dominic Argano, the RacingExperts.com joins us now. And Dom, I, I got to tell you, um, you know, I, I'm 25 now. I'll turn 26 this month. Man, but old. I, I, I felt old for a little bit this weekend because uh, William Byron was running the Flames paint scheme. And I'm like, that's my childhood right there. I mean, it was, I was rooting on Jeff Gordon every week in the Flames paint scheme. The Rainbow Warrior car was even before my time. You know, I mean, the seeing that on the track, I'm like, this can't be Hang this can't be a throwback yet. Jeff Gordon's flame car was before your time. No, 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 the, the rainbow <laughs> car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I agree, Tyler. We were watching the day for me and Doug. Come on, man. <laughs> we were watching the race here on Mother's Day, and I remember pointing out to my mom because used to, to watch NASCAR off and on casually and said, Hey, you remember that car? And she's like, Oh yeah, I remember that paint scheme. I'm like, it wasn't that long ago, right? It doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but 2008 was the last time that car hit the track. And there for a second, Tyler, seeing that DuPont or Exalta Flames paint scheme leading the charge at Darlington and coming down to the wire to almost win. It had that that shades of Darlington 2007 when Jeff Gordon won on Mother's Day. Yeah, that was uh, that was really cool to see. And speaking of which, let's talk about that real fast, how that race ended up playing out. Joey Logano gets the win. Moves William Byron out of the way. Probably didn't need to move him out of the way, but he felt like that he owed William some payback. David, what was your reaction to the events that unfolded there at the end of that race? Well, I was there. So I was there at the race and sitting in the stands and watching it. And uh, Joey Logano had the dominant car at the end. He was coming. and uh, I loved his scheme, too. Yeah, he had a great scheme. And uh, coming off turn two, I think uh, on that last restart, William Byron – I mean, when you come off turn two, you're so tight, and, man, you're digging so hard, and there's not a lot of room there for two cars. We, we can run side by side, but, man, it's pretty intense, and you sometimes you run out of room, and sometimes not on purpose that, you know, you rub up against the outside car, and he, and he rubs up against the wall. Everybody makes it through the corner, and a lot of times you don't even make it through the corner, you know. It's, it's a very tough corner uh, to come off of it side by side, you know, and uh, – and, and looking and seeing the restart, a replay on a tele on a, on a television that that you could see in the infield that, that pointed to the stands, it didn't look like that William Byron did that on purpose. That was just a racing thing, you know. Yeah. What I mean, it happens. Nobody wrecked, you know. You you know, it's it's pretty intense. You know, you only got three or four laps left, five laps, whatever it was. And that's just a racing deal, you know. I don't think it was intentional by William Byron's fact. I don't even – I wouldn't drive the race car, but I pretty much know it wasn't intentional. Yeah. But anyway, William Byron's went on to take the lead and, and grab the lead. And then, you know, Joey was coming. And, and uh, you know, he had such a fast race car, I don't think he needed to uh, kind of do a bump and run. But that, sure. that was a crash and run, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, 
you know, I mean, he did it. It was, it was perfected perfectly, but it was a little bit much. And like you said, Tyler, uh, it didn't need to happen. I think if he, he could have obviously passed him because his car was so much better, I think they would have put on a hell of a race for the fans that last lap that were coming to the white flag. And, uh, but, you know, I, I didn't think he needed to do it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he said he was just paying him back for him, for William Byron putting him in the wall, but William didn't do that on purpose. So anyway, it was just interesting, you know, the fans were going crazy. They were booing, people were cheering, you know, and, and now ever since that race Sunday happened, that's all I've heard, you know what I mean? Working right. at the race shop today, Team Texas race shop, and being at our SS Green Light shop yesterday in Charlotte, that's all I've heard about is, you know, uh, Joey Logano, William Byron, you know, how did that, you know, what's everybody's opinion and thoughts on it. But, uh, but anyway, I, my, my personal opinion is he could have passed him clean. Well, and, and, and Dominic, what's so interesting is, you know, I was watching that race live and Bill Elliott's the guest analyst and there's like 15 laps to go. I think it is. And he's declaring the race over. He's like, well, William's got this one. <laughs> For only that to happen, for only that exciting finish to occur there. And then the post-race interview with William Byron, uh, you know, calling out Joey, saying he was an idiot and a moron. And then we, we get the audio later that he's dropping F-bombs about it and such. I mean, we've never seen that side of William Byron before. I love seeing that side of Willie B. Liberty Thanks. University might not like it, but I loved it. Exactly. I showed the raw motion. I think sometimes we talk about how drivers are missing that raw motion. We got some raw motion. That interaction he had with Jeff Gordon when he climbed out of the race car, that was as real as it gets. That's in the moment. He just lost the race two minutes prior. That's how he felt on pit road. We need more of that. Uh, you know what that's called? Passion. What's that called? That's Tyler just said it. It's passion. You know, <laughs> we want to win. We, you know, we're that close. It's just passion, man. You're, you're madder than hell. You didn't win. I mean, it's, 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 it's good for the sport, you know, I mean, everybody's talking about it. I, uh, you know, again, you know, I, I really, in the David Starr vocabulary. well, you know, I, I would have thought that, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's very controversial, but you know, we, uh, Joy Logano was going to win the race. It's interesting that he chose to do it in that fashion. You know what I mean? I just don't think, you know, most, I think 90% or 95% of the other drivers wouldn't have done it that way. But, but anyway, we're all talking about it. It was, uh, you know, and uh, we'll see a lot of passion out of a kid that does good every week and, and it's won cup races. And uh, nobody said, man, it's interesting that, hey, there, this guy does have a heartbeat, you know, and yeah. he does get pissed off. Yeah. And uh, it was cool. But, man, Darlington was just awesome. I mean, you know, Tyler, you just talked about it. Bill Elliott, you know, he was in the broadcast booth. And Bobby Richard Bonnie, Richard Petty. Man, yeah. I, you know, you got to got to talk to Bobby Labonte and spend some uh, talk to Red Farmer, Waddell Wilson. I mean, it was just Donnie Allison and Bobby Allison. It was just, you know, Mark Martin was there. It was it was just really cool, you know. And and uh, hell, I, I we think we'd see Doug Richards there, you know, because he's <laughs> he's kind of one of those Hall of Famers, been around forever, you know what I mean? And uh, but it was just cool to see. You know, see Bill Elliott there, yeah. and uh, it, was, it was just, man, what a great weekend. Uh, great it was, weekend. It was. Dominic, tell us about our next guest. Yeah, I have the pleasure of introducing our next guest here on Let's Go Racing, and I believe, Tyler, our first repeat guest. Really exciting. We have the very first one. Yes, it yeah. took us 66 episodes to get here, but this is uh, the guy that we wanted back first. Very fitting, right? We had him on last April, I believe. 
David, you were working really close with him. This is a gentleman who has worked in the sport pretty much his entire professional career. He hails from California, won a championship with Rod Osterlin and Dale Earnhardt in 1980 at the ripe age of, I believe, 18 years old. Doug Richard on the show. Doug, thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. Good to have you back. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. I'm, I'm glad I'm a repeat customer of you guys. <laughs> yeah, Doug, what's been keeping you busy the last calendar year since the last time we had you on? Oh, boy. Well, some racing and uh, and then a lot of uh, being Nurse Ratchet, yeah, for my wife. So we got a lot of, lot of things going on. It seems like I'm so busy right now. It's like, man, I'm not sure I can, I have time to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So last we caught up with you, right? You were working with MBM Motorsports. You were working with David on, on the Xfinity and cup, st- cup side of stuff. And, and the last weekend you guys worked together was the Bristol weekend last year. Yeah, that uh, that was good. I, I enjoyed working with Carl Long and, and his wife Dee Dee. They're they're great people. You know, fun to be around. You know, they 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 go about it how they have the means and the fundings to do it. And and we we tried our best with what we had to work with. And um, I, I enjoyed it just being able to set up most all the cars. I worked on pretty much all the cars at the time getting them pulled down, keeping notes on star as far as that goes, and sending guys to the track, and then also taking a car myself to the track. So that was different. I enjoy that part. Um, <clears throat> you know, staying back is is not a not a bad thing, you know. Um, just keeps me close to home for, for several different reasons. But, uh, yeah, it was all good. Um, but um, at, at one point... I was uh, thought I could, you know, get ahead a little bit and not not have to, you know, sit home during the winter because, you know, Carl didn't have the funding to keep everybody on full time, you know, all all winter long. So I decided I was going to take another job with an ARCA team that was starting up, and I was like, well, okay, they're starting up. They're going to need to work all winter. They said they were. Yeah, we agreed on everything. And then the Saturday before the Monday I was supposed to start, the guy decided to skip town. Left. No, no sign, no nothing, haven't heard a peep. And since that point, I've been at home. <laughs> Being nurse ratchet with Robin. That's crazy, Doug. Well, I mean, amazing that you're you're sitting at home just because the knowledge, just the knowledge that you've forgotten. <laughs> Uh, you know, all these different racing teams, I'm just so surprised because, man, you bring so much to an organization uh, with the knowledge and, and the experience that you have. And, uh, you know, I understand we both worked for Carl Long last year. And, uh, you know, and you do the best you can under the circumstances. Carl's a great guy, Dee is wife, and, you know, Carl's a survivor. But it ain't like Carl's a big powerhouse team. It ain't like he's got tons and tons of funding. So, you know, he reaches out to a guy like Doug Richards, brings him on, takes his knowledge. But, you know, when you don't have the best equipment out there and, uh, you know, you're, you're working on kind of a shoestring, uh, a shoestring budget, man, you're just doing the best you can with what you got. And, uh, and Doug set up, set up most of the race cars. But, you know, you take a guy like Doug who has all that knowledge and winning championship crew chief, 
but you're still, you know, you still, you only have so many, so many drawers in the toolbox with stuff to use. Yeah. And I think, I think Doug and Carl Long, myself and everybody that, that worked at MBM Motorsports last year, we probably overachieved for what we really had to work with, you know, but to hear, you know, to hear Doug speak that he was going to take another job because a lot of the racing teams, Doug, up, Doug brought up a good point. A lot of the racing teams don't have the funding to keep all their employees and their crew chiefs and everybody employed over the winter time. Right. So Doug was just trying to take care of his family, make sure that he was, you know, working throughout the winter because you got Christmas, Thanksgiving and everything, you know, the bills don't stop. And uh, so he was trying to better himself, take care of his family and it ended up backfiring on him. You know what I mean? It's, which is horrible. You know, that it did. Yeah. That it did. You know, I mean, it's, 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 but man, Doug, how many times have we heard that? I mean, it just, it's just, Man, we hear it year after it's year. It's a sad reality in this school. Absolutely. Yeah, Doug, it's, a, it's a shame. You know, it's 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 kind of discouraging from my side. I, I feel like I always give 100% who, with whoever I was with. You know, funded teams, non-funded teams. I, I always tried. I wasn't like I, you know, just said, well, yeah, we're going to run 20th. I still tried something different. Still wanted to do something better. And, and that's what I enjoyed about it was you have those opportunities to tune it just a little bit better. You know, we, we had a good run last year at Darlington with, with Timmy. Yeah. Fall race. And me and Carl talked about that the other day. Yeah. We were just making sure that he knew what we had in the car. I double checked and what we had in the car and I said, yeah, that's what we had in the car. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not real sure you know if that's what they went with or whatever uh hopefully they did you know because that car was really good it was a it was a bad reflection on us because we we you know we didn't have all the tires right at our disposal so it came down to one of those situations where we left them out and we only had a few laps on the tires but i mean we were running inside the top 15 all day long and it was a good long run car so i was like okay and then, of course, Darlington, you always want to have good tires on. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I, I, I needed those tires for the next segment, right? Or, the, you know, the, the next phase of it. So we left them out. And everybody's, oh, man, why would you stay out and all that? And then we broke a transmission right on the restart of all things. I mean, we weren't going to be as good as the guys with new tires because you never are. Right. But were we going to be crashed and wrecked up and in behind the wall? No. I mean, we would have fell back. I, I knew we would have fell back. We were ready to, we were planning our, you know, direction of where we were going, you know, against the new tires. We weren't going to try to hold them up. But when the transmission broke, it just <laughs> made us look even worse, you know. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, darn. Now, that was one I felt like we would have had a really good day. Hey, Doug, what do you call that? Racing? <laughs> if it'll happen, it will happen. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, man, Doug, I got a question, man. So, Darlington, throwback weekend at Darlington. You've been a part of it for years. You know, I think of Waddell Wilson. He was there. And, and you're looking at Red Farmer and the Allisons and you know, Bobby Labonte and Bill Elliott. I mean, man, you – you know, as much as history and the throwback of those guys that we've watched forever, I mean, you're right there with them, man. I mean, 
it's amazing that that you wasn't there and and that and um, what's amazing to me that you're not in the hall of fame you know what i mean i mean you look at your credentials and what you did with the late great dale earnhardt it's amazing that you, that you wasn't at darlington representing the sport you know what i mean because you know i don't know i just you know a lot of history behind doug richard you know what i mean so well I, that that was one of my look forwards to you know because of course i've i've got a collection of a lot of throwbacks <laughs> i think i've got i think i've got a, a a uniform of about everybody that ever worked with in any any fashion or form wow. so yeah i'd have to just go to the attic here and see what i wanted to pull out you know or <laughs> or whose paint scheme or whatever we could get you know to look right or or whatever or just pull the belt buckle and and Dale's boots he gave me with the championship code. I wore that down there one year. I could have <laughs> that, I guess, you know. But, you know, it's not that I didn't want to be there. Uh, it would be different if I had a responsibility there as far as running a team. But when I have to turn around and leave my wife sitting here by herself, you know, with the condition with her and her cancer and stuff that we're dealing with and her sicknesses, and it was just kind of hard for me to feel good about I'm going to go take off to Darlington and go walk around the garage area. Of course, I should have been down there looking for a job, right? But, uh, you know, I I got to take care of my wife, too. So it's a double-edged sword. You're a good man. That's all. Hey, man, you, you're a... Uh... Man, you you were where you supposed to be. You yeah, know what I mean that's. I mean, you great, y'all great guys. Oh yeah, I mean, definitely. man, taking care of your well, wife and what y'all been through. Man, you're a great man, Doug. Well, Doug, uh, you know, speaking of throwbacks, uh, just a couple of weeks ago uh, at Talladega, we saw Jeffrey Earnhardt bring back the three car with Richard Childress, Larry Mack, and and Earnhardt in it. Just from a, a spectator point of view, somebody that has that connection with Dale and the three car and such, how how cool was that to see uh, Jeffrey run, run the three car, run up front there at Talladega like that? Oh, that was really cool. I, I enjoyed that. I worked with Jeffrey some. Jeffrey drove our car over there at, at BK Racing, you know, for a while. And, you know, so we we met, we spent some time together. We didn't have great results, but, you know, we did the best we could with what we had. Mm -hmm. And uh, to watch him almost pull that off, I would have that would have made that would have topped it off if he could have won that race. <laughs> you know, you don't get any closer than what he was. He was second. Yeah. He was only the first loser. <laughs> right. You know, when you got to go way back in the field there, to, you know, to see where you finish. But he was right there. You know, you just needed another sniff. Yeah, yeah. So Doug, look at you know having you on our podcast is just I don't know. It's a big honor, you know. And, and uh, there's so much to Doug Richard. You've done so much in the sport. What what comes to mind? You know what what uh what stands out? You know what are you what are you, what are you most proud of? You know, I mean, for somebody that's done so much and won so many races and the championships and you know and, and all the great the greats that you have worked with. I mean, Dale Earnhardt. I mean, and just owning own and own and own. You know, and uh, what 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 stands out? What do you what are some of the the accomplishments that you're most proud of that you can share with us well i mean obviously just being able to work around all of those guys that we've been talking about you know the you know unfortunately you know junior johnson and the daryl waltrip days you know we don't have 
junior around anymore and then we lost Flossie and you know I was up there for four years you know when you're around these people and then they start you know passing away it, it brings some reality to how fortunate I was to get the experience of working at juniors and helping them work on the crap spreaders to go hook the mule to the jeep to go plow the garden you know and I, I gotta tell you this story yeah tell us the funniest thing, the funniest thing I ever saw was when I was at Junior's working. So there we, there was a lower shop at the time because when we started Neil Bonnet's team, you know, I, I left Daryl's side at that time with because we had the Budweiser, two different Budweiser schemes and all that. But we were down in the lower shop with Neil's stuff. Daryl's stuff was still up top. And I looked out the window and I knew they were getting ready to plant the garden. And I look up there and here's the Jeep coming up the driveway, but he's got the mule hooked to the front of the Jeep. Randy Calls is in the Jeep, working the steering wheel and the brake and stuff and Junior sitting on the hood with the reins going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the because the mule was acting up, he was too energetic and all. He says, "Well, I'll fix it." Hooks him to the jeep and he makes him drag him up around the house. Then he came back <laughs> and plowed the garden. <laughs> wait, so wait a minute. You talking about a real mule? A re yeah, that's it. <laughs> he didn't get his tractor to do it. He hooked up the reins and he hooked the plow and walked and rode behind the. The plow with the mule. Well, he wouldn't act right, so he hooked it to the jeep and made him pull him up around the around the shop. <laughs> wow, man! What a story, man! It was That's like it, it was nothing. Like there was, it was just fun. It was fun being around Junior and and Flossie at the time, because it was just there was no script. I mean, we would yeah. get a, we would get a call on the intercom everybody let's go out to the road we're moving cows so here's everybody that works for junior and they make a line in between two fields because i want to take the cows out of this field and put them in the other well we made the we made the walkway for them in between the two fields kept all the cows and, and, and that was our duties there you just never know what you're going to be doing from freaking Junior Johnson, the famous, I mean, legendary car owner, race car driver. I'm just did it all. Amazing to hear this story, man. I mean, you got Daryl Waltrip, Neil Bonnet, two drivers, Budweiser. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and this, this, they come over the microphone and tell everybody to come out to the field to make a make Stop a pathway for the cows. Stop what you're doing. We've got to go move these cattle. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. And you know, one, one thing about it, we didn't have to do that with the chickens. <laughs> they already in their own house. Uh, I was not uh, expecting to hear that story today, but that's what makes this podcast. Well, you know, half the stuff I can't even remember. And then all of a sudden, you know, little piece in the brain trips and goes, ah, yeah, the mule. <laughs> Doug, uh, the last time we had you on, we had so much feedback that people loving what you had to say about Earnhardt and such. 
And, you know, we talked about Jeffrey running the three earlier. So I got to ask you then, as a follow-up, what what is your favorite Dale Earnhardt memory, your favorite Dale Earnhardt story? Well, there's a couple. And I I forget exactly what we talked about the last time. But, um, you know, I I was – we were both young when we started. You know, I started hanging around him and um, was 70 – 78 he wow. ran five races for us um uh, and that and you can only run five to with you know without messing up your rookie eligibility there was that so he ran five. was it bored to him well he wanted to be yeah you know if he, could, he didn't want to waste it he yeah. wanted to get the experience but you know he, next year we turned around and he was rookie of the year in 79 and uh won our first race at bristol also quit smoking in victory lane at bristol because i made i told the shop i said the first race we win then i'm gonna quit smoking so i did never touched one since i was honestly wow that's Um, awesome yeah so then you know everything kept moving on how much did you smoke before then well, of course, we had our Winston cigarettes, you know, that was too plentiful and at our just available for us all to, to have, you know. So, you know, of course, you know, I'm cool, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, but, you know, we got over that phase there. And then, um, you know, we hung around a lot um, as we as we were getting going. I mean, it was nothing for us. So we went and bought a pair of. A 175 Yamahas, little dirt bikes, does identical, and we would just go ride through the woods, you know. And the water was down in the lake. We'd go ride under his dock, and you know, ride across pipes in between fields, and just did. I kind of grew up on motorcycles, you know. I was always on a motorcycle, or I was riding wheelies around the block in California on my bicycle. So it's just kind of normal for me and, and I always did that stuff but we would just hop on those things and just go be ourselves. there was it's no crazy. show it's crazy to hear this just because you know all of us myself Tyler Dominic you know it's like you act like, like it's no big deal and we're thinking man we, we can't believe that you know y'all got you know 175 hondas or yamahas or whatever and y'all just cruising around acting like kids acting crazy like it's no big deal well dale liked to have fun you know he he liked to have fun and he always did everything to the best of his ability whether it was when i was pulling him in the when he was in the tube and i was driving the boat and you know, of course, what you try to do, you make him try to jump that wake in the back, right? <laughs> and see if he can hang on. So, um, but, you know, we did a lot of water skiing together, tubing. We would even come sometimes, he would let me fly back with him. You know, he was renting a plane at the time, even back then. And we could get back in time enough, like go run Dover and races over. We could make it back home and still have time to go hit the water and go skiing. You know, that really too yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'd wow. come back that evening and just take a quick lap around. And of course, he had his house on the lake, and you know, the dock, everything was right there. So it was convenient. I don't know if you ever, if you ever saw that um, little Dale movie. Oh yes, it was a CD. And at the time, uh, 
he went to go pull Dale Jr. up out of the water. And he got up and he fell back and he goes, Daddy, you hurt my butt. <laughs> it was just, you know, this little stuff, right? It just, but all through the years as, as things grew and it grew up and, you know, and, you know, with Dale, we were good. And he said, well, if we ever get married, I want you to, uh, I'd like for you to be my best man at my wedding. And he said, okay. Uh, so he was. And um, they were, they were, he was good to us, you know, he just helped us kind of organize the wedding and all that stuff. And when that all came around and, and then, you know, when we had to deal with Dale's death and all, that was like a bummer, right? It's a memory that they'll never take out of my mind, you know, what we did, what we did together, the fun we had, the things he did in you know, things I learned from them, just, you know, you learn from your surroundings, right? You're as good as the people you got around you. Well, the thing. thing about that too, Doug, like hearing your relationship with Dale, I've talked to drivers who race against Dale in that era, like Jeff Bodine, right? He was strictly business. He talked to a lot of drivers today and it's a strictly business relationship with drivers and crew chiefs. So I'm curious what made your guys' relationship different or special to be able to have that bond outside of the racetrack? Well, you know, <laughs> Would it be different nowadays? Yes. Um, it, the whole sport of where we were to where we are now, we're a much higher profile sport. We're well seen, well known. Nobody knows what anybody does. Everybody knows everything. And back then, we didn't have camera phones and you know, there, there was no one taking pictures of us being stupid and riding across the pipe on a motorcycle or whatever. But that was normal. That was normal for us. You know, we like having fun. We like driving dirt bikes. So, um, but when when we lost lost Dale there and and we came up and and being involved with another Earnhardt, which you know Dale Jr. is well. So when we decided, I think it was our 25th or 30th anniversary or something like that we were going to renew our vows and and uh, I, I Robin had told me about it you know and I said yeah let's we'll do it I'm good you know she set everything up and all that so at the time we started to uh, renew our vows and I didn't know anything about it but all of a sudden I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around, it was Dale Jr. Mm. Robin had set it up with Dale Jr. and Kelly to time it just right to where they could show up right when we were up there in front of the preacher because they wanted to stand in for Dale. Mm. So Dale Jr. stood in for Dale since he was the best man in my wedding. Well, Dale Jr. came and followed it up for redoing our vows. And then that really, that really got me. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things. That's moving. It, never it forget. Speaks so, it speaks so much about Dale Jr. too, uh, you know, of, of carrying on his da dad's legacy and such. That's unbelievable. To, to follow up on that, you know, Doug, you, you knew him as the individual. Dale Sr., you know, of who he was on a personal level that – 99.9% .9 of folks don't get to see. You know, we, we knew him as the 
intimidator and the public persona and such. How different was the man the public knew, the way that he portrayed himself compared to the Dale Sr. that you knew? Well, you know, obviously not everybody knew what he did. Um, he wasn't the super tough guy all the time. It was nothing for him. And, you know, it, these are all stories, but it was nothing for him to go do something for somebody like that. Like, if he just thought, hey, you need that driveway? Hold on. I got it for you. Just off the wall. It'd be, it'd, I'm, way more things than that. That was just one instance I knew about. But he would, he would do that thing, those things. And, of course, you go, whoa, Dale Earnhardt, he helped someone pave the driveway because, you know, he, that, he wasn't in it for that. I mean, he came over to my house. This was when I was working at uh, Junie Dunlevy's. We actually moved to Virginia. Well, when this house that I'm in now, when we bought it, we didn't have a, it had a gravel driveway. So we talked about it. And then the homeowner association, of course, you know, I new kid on the block. You have to have a cement driveway. Really? I just barely <laughs> afford this house, right? I just, <laughs> I just got here, you know, really? Why didn't someone tell me this before? So, you know, this went on back and forth. Well, then I had to go to Virginia. Well, Dale came over here. And helped oversee them putting the driveway in. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, while I wasn't here, then I had to come home for the weekends. Like, oh, whoa, look at this driveway, you know, <laughs> and then hear about it from him. So, so that's amazing, Doug. So, Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt oversaw the construction of your, of your driveway of the house you live in right now. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Man, that's amazing. It's, it's still the same cement. <laughs> man next time i'm in charlotte i'm gonna have to come over just to drive around the drive through the driveway i'll show you the skid marks he left in the driveway then no. <laughs> <laughs> man that is so cool wow that is so cool one more thing and then we'll get to our uh, news and notes segment here in just a moment uh doug uh you know the the other big part of your career i think that you know what, what Dominic and I remember from you is when you were working with Greg Biffle and, and that was the heyday of, of, of Roush Racing. They haven't been the same since, since you were around, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Doug. Um, and what you guys were doing with, with Greg and that 16 team, how consistent you were, and even at the TV, TV time, the Subway commercials and such. I mean, what a, what a special time that was uh, for you guys there with, uh, with Roush. Yeah, well, I, I've got a... I've got to go backwards just a little bit here because there were some great, great moments at at um, juniors you know, that I didn't quite get to because I got off on mules and chickens and <laughs> and cattle. But you know, there was a year when I was there, and when I first started there, me and Jeff Hammond and Mike Hill, we kind of took responsibilities in all three of our hands. Wow! Well, we won eleven races that year. Eleven. You know, with Carol. Wow. And, and then the following year was no different. Like we, like when we were there, I mean, Daryl, he was just on it. Daryl was one of them drivers where he knew exactly what he wanted to feel because he knew how it needed to feel for the end. And when we were on it, whether Daryl was dominating it on the track 
or we had a great pit stop at Reigns. We win the race. We were, it was just clicking. And we won a lot of races that year. And that was a lot of fun too. Cause right now I still, Daryl and Stevie and, and ourselves, we, we stay in touch to this day. And, and we talk all the time and, you know, they keeping up with Robin and, and all this stuff. But I had to throw that in there because that was the part of being at juniors, not only working on all the other stuff, we, all, we had an awesome race team. It had won a lot of races, you know, when you run 11 and 12, 13 races in a year, you're That's doing awesome. something. You know? Absolutely. So Doug, but, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk about Daryl Waltrip like that. So, so, I mean, you, you've worked with so many great legendary race car drivers and superstars that we've all watched on television. Would you, uh, so let's hearing you talk about Daryl. So he knew, what he wanted in a car when you were practicing, he knew what he knew how he wanted the car to enter. He knew what he wanted the car to do in the center of the corner. And then obviously he knew what kind of forward bite he wanted. So that was, was he one of, was Daryl one of, uh, was a guy that was, uh, really could read the, a good chassis man. I mean, he, he, uh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, the, the, the one that followed, I feel like Daryl, on that was Alan Kowicki. Wow. Alan Kowicki could, could in during the race, and, I, and I'm not, I, I wasn't a crew chief for Alan or anything like that, but I went and changed tires for him on the weekend, got to know him. You know, my wife would talk to him when he's driving up and down the road, and it just, you know, just people to talk to, right? <laughs> but he was a good guy, right? Yeah. Everybody harassed him a lot, but he knew. While that race was going on, he knew who pitted. He knew how many laps ago some of these guys pitted. Well, they're going to have to pit right here in a little while, but I, I think we can keep going on. We can go a little bit further, and then that'll set us up for the end. This was all going on inside his head, and he knew everything around him. And now that also helped a lot of, you know, decisions being made. But he was very hands-on as far as chassis stuff goes, too. So, Doug, it's interesting, Tyler and Dominic, to, to hear you say that because, man, that's almost like, I mean, to be a race car driver and just keep up what the car's doing and who you're racing around. But to me, Doug, it sounds like he's been a crew chief and he's keeping up with everybody. I mean, that man was keeping up with a lot of stuff. I mean, that's hard to do. You know what I mean? Well, that's the, that's the way he was. He was – yeah, there again, I'm I'm speaking just for my what I saw in him. Right. He was like an engineer, race car driver. It, it was just the way he methodically thought out all the pieces and and all the pieces of the puzzle that it took to win the race. He was thinking about them way ahead of time before they got there. Amazing man, amazing, unbelievable. So let's let's go ahead and circle back then about about Greg. Tell me about those about those about those. Well, I kind of lost you on some of that right there. Yeah, Had a little uh, audio issue. Uh, yeah. Tell me about it. Let's, let's circle back uh, to the uh, the Roush days, working with, with the Biff and everything. Tell me about that and the success you guys had. Well, that was fun. Um, that, that was a great time. Uh, you know, I, I, I was working with Carl Edwards, you know, when – well, actually, I, when I started with Roush, I went over there to be Kyle Bush's crew chief. <laughs> 
Well, before before the season ever started, Kyle Busch decided, eh, I'm not going to drive trucks. I'm going to go drive for Rick Hendricks in the Cup Series. <laughs> well, and all of a sudden, we didn't have Kyle Busch, right? Well, here comes Carl Edwards. Hey, I've got a card here. Uh, I'd love to drive your car. <laughs> and sure enough, here he comes. Carl, what a great guy, right? Yeah. I mean, just super, super good to work with. So we started running the truck series there and all. And we had won three, four races, you know. I was like, wow, this is cool, right? Anything you can, anytime you can win, I don't care what it's in. It makes you feel good. Absolutely. Go car, if it's a truck, it's a whatever. Winning's fun. That's what we all do it for. So we were doing well, and, and that was going really good. And then uh, Jack asked me to go hang out at Michigan with Greg and just observe their cup program. And I, so I went along, and I just listened in and, and all that and gave my comments, my two cents worth or whatever. And, and the next thing I know, Jack offered me the job. And that, that's how we came about was through the course. And I, I don't even know exactly what date I really started with him. It was, I know after, it was after July, because he had won the July race at Daytona. Um, and then after that, it just started clicking. And the way that the whole thing worked out and Roush Racing as a whole, we that that was a powerhouse when we had five cars and all had all five of them in the chase you know winning races with all of them <laughs> but it just came together for greg greg seemed to deal with a car that was loose he really wanted them to turn so the cars when we built them we dealt with yaw moments and, and all this stuff as far as arrow goes so when we when they go to turn in the corner it aided the, you know, the car really wanted to be loose. Well, he was comfortable with that. And that'll always keep a car turning. Well, between that feel of the aero package and the time when Roush then teamed up with Roush Yates and became Roush Yates, well, we had great, a great aero package with a great driver with the best motor combination you can have teaming up with you know, with, with Yates and, and taking Roush's, you know, high RPM, you know, all the stuff that Roush had been working on at the time and put those together, man, we came out of the box. And it was like, we, you know, it was one of those deals where we knew we had good equipment. There was nothing stopping us from doing it. Every, anything you wanted to do, you did it. You're right. You want to change the fender, cut it off, do it. Wow. But we did it. The aero package suited him. We went out there, started winning races. You unload, and you knew you had a shot to win that race. If we played our cards, our wheels didn't come loose, we didn't anything stupid, we didn't rack, our tire wouldn't blow apart or something like that, we knew we could win a race. And, and we did. The one year we won six races. Uh, we won 12 races, I think, all together in my time with Greg. Wow. Went Homestead three years in a row. In fact, I'm standing, and the third time we won Homestead, and I'm standing there in victory land, saying, so you know what? This really sucks. I'm not working with them no more. They made a change. I wasn't going to be their crew chief anymore. Wow. And I'm standing there in victory lane going, now what am I going to do? 
Well, and, and Dominic, uh, I feel like we can wrap up uh, on this before we move on to news and notes. You know, David was talking here about the, the Hall of Fame resume of Doug Richard. You're not going to find somebody, it's going to be real tough anyway, that has a better track record of the drivers they work with than Doug. I mean, from Dale Earnhardt, Junior Johnson, Darrell Waltrip, uh, you know, Greg Biffle, Carl Edwards, uh, I mean, Kyle Buddy Baker. Who, I mean, David Starr. I mean, like, you know, I mean, Brian the, the Bickering, list, yes. The, the list but, is unbelievable, Dom. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, Doug, you might have said this. I don't know if it was on last show or maybe before we had gone on air. I think you had said you and your wife had counted. You've worked with like 70 some drivers in, wow. in points. Yeah, I think, I think it's actually a little bit more than that. Um, That's amazing. And, and speaking, when you were talking about the Hall of Fame stuff, I was I was fortunate enough to get uh, I got inducted into the to the West Coast NASCAR Hall of Fame. That's a big deal. Went out there and um, actually Daryl Waltrip uh, announced me uh, out there. So that was that was a great honor to have him announce me for the Hall of Fame and you know all these things you put together and and that was that was the first time when I really started counting. Cause I just got an iPad, you know, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna be technical <laughs> iPad up there. And I started, and we're sitting there going, what year? Was it? Oh, okay, Regan Smith. That was, uh, oh, yeah, wait a minute, yeah, Ben Hess. And we kept going and going, going. All of a sudden, this list is, I, I still don't know to this day. Obviously, it's changed a lot more because of now I got David Starr on there. I wasn't before, you know, like <laughs> Jimmy Hill, all these ones. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's good. I know it's between seventy and eighty, at different times. Whether I was just changing tires or running the team or when I was just first starting, right. anybody I was ever involved with, it's it's up there. That's cool. And that's pretty cool, though. I, I, amazing, man! Amazing career, and and really, I'm kind of shocked that 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 Doug Richard is not working. You know, I mean, you, you would just think that the racing teams would be lined up to have you part of their organization just because who you are and you know and and i feel like i feel like the hall of fame is not too far away <laughs> you know the 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 charlotte the you know the charlotte north carolina nascar hall of fame you know and uh, but what an honor it is to be in the west coast nascar hall of fame and and uh, man doug i you know we're just talking about biffle and rouse and uh and, and i heard dominic and tyler talking about before hell you know I think it's movie star or commercial star or something. Didn't you make some commercials or something? He was on TV there for a while. Oh, uh, well, you know, I did have a little splash with that. I mean, we were in the subway commercials. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I was at juniors, we made a Budweiser commercial. Wow. And after three days of shooting, it was for 30 second commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was, you know, that was like the first one I ever got involved with right i was like wow that's a lot of work for 30 seconds <laughs> yeah you know but you know then being involved with the with the subway stuff was a lot of fun you know yeah. i was in uh, three different ones i guess with with greg you know and the i was talking earlier i said when the when greg was driving the car when the, running from the cops and i was in there with him you know when he spun it around and then the cop <laughs> comes up to the door and but prior to that, we're sitting over on the bank and we watched the guy run into the tree. You know, that guy was suited up in that thing, like a helmet on. He looked like he was going to run the Daytona 500. 
Hans device and everything just to run into the tree on purpose. <laughs> but you know, safety first. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, safety but, first, man. <laughs> but the, you know, the the funnest one that was the first one really too when we went in. It was this is during the winter, and then it was the subway over there by the Concord Mills mm -hmm. by the Rouse shop. Yeah. Well, we they closed the store down, and we were in there shooting this commercial. Well, man, it got where we were spraying stuff inside there. And then one time, Mike, Mike Hillman, he reached up and he hit the light, broke the light. And it was just, it was just crazy. The way, everything that was going on. Hopefully you then, stayed away from Jared from Subway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I never, I never saw him around any of our stuff. So, but, but the, but the fun one was, you know, the, the one that took a lot of effort was, the sandwich when uh, Greg was throwing the sandwich in in my face, you would not believe how long I sat there and had to take a sandwich to the face. <laughs> and get this, it was stunt bread. They stunt said, "Oh, bread. we want to do the stunt." Well, that was the stunt bread was the ones that didn't have any stuff in them. That was for Greg to practice, like you know. And uh, when I came off a two, and uh, and uh, the car whipped around him, he would. That's when he threw the sandwich, okay. right? So he was getting his timing down on how to throw the sandwich. So as it got going, he practiced and practiced and did all that. Well, then they gave him a live bread sandwich, you know, with lettuce and all that stuff on it, right? <laughs> and they had to get the tomatoes and get in there. And you, you know how, to, how a tomato and lettuce always looks real luscious, you know, because it's got little sweat bubbles on it well it's from the spray guns pushing the water on it you know <laughs> so it looks just right right no, you're getting away you're getting away you're giving away all their secrets man oh it's the world of tv <laughs> <laughs> but uh but then when he throws it they said man wouldn't that be so cool to have the lettuce hanging from your mustache <laughs> now that was a whole act in itself we kind of like how can we get this piece of lettuce to stick there on my mustache finally it took molasses <laughs> and we got and we got the piece of lettuce to sit on there where it would sit on there long enough and that was right the scene right when they threw the sandwich in there and it went pam then i was like i was looking like dumb sandwich at me right and the lettuce is hanging there on my on my mustache so i said and then they said well we need it to fall off like, so the whole time with molasses, get it hanging on there. And then you had to go. <laughs> and, take and, and you're trying to like real nonchalant, like enough wind to blow the lettuce off. And that's a wrap. <laughs> that's great. So Doug, how many takes did it take to make that perfect, to perfect that? Well, I don't know how many pounds of bread I took that day. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was fun though. I really, really enjoyed that. I really, I really enjoyed those times. And in fact, I there was a, a couple years back when I, I went over and I saw Jack Roush, and I said, Jack, I gotta admit, I said the worst thing I ever did was leave your team. Really? Yep. And uh, and it was when I left. Even though, like, I didn't know what I was gonna be doing. But I, they didn't say I, had, I didn't have a job, right? 
but I thought I would be the bright guy and go over to Red Bull at the time, you know, because it was supposed to be the greatest thing since peanut butter, you know, when it was, when it was starting up. So, and got over there and, you know, it was a, a, an engineer driven organization that I no longer had the luxury of changing the way that fender looked because the engineers had to do it. Wow. You know, so we, we lost some, I don't know, we lost some creativity there, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's just a different way of doing it. It's, so it's how, did, how, how did it work out for them? Well, not too good. You know, the bad thing was, is, you know, coming in on the very beginning, uh, they didn't quite have the motor program as strong as they've got now, of course. And, you know, it was hard for it. We, we found ourselves hard to qualify for races. Right. You know, just when you're off a certain amount, down low, when you got new tires and it needs to be pulling out of the corner, we didn't have that. Right. Well, we had no leeway because that's when, gosh, what was there, 18, like, go or go homers, you know, at the time. And, you know, we're all having to qualify in. It was really tough. And we missed several races but then we make a race and we're sitting there leading it you know and the fuel <laughs> pump i mean the the power steering pump goes out or something stupid right but the races we were in it felt like we were very competitive it was just getting qualified that right was it, it, it seemed like from an outside perspective that red bull team was upper management was trying to run it like red bull did with their f1 teams and NASCAR and F1 were just so different at that time. Well, it was, and, and it was new. It was new to all them. Even though, I mean, Elton Sawyer, John Pro, I mean, all, all of them were there. They're racers. They're drivers. They're engineers. What's Ford? You know, they've all been around. But when you take something and you make something that big with that many moving parts and pieces and and not only you know, they're, they're building sim programs and, you know, Everything was in in the building stage. I mean, they they didn't cut any corners. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Well, well, guys, uh, we will get to our news and notes segment in just one moment. But before we do, we want to tell you about our presenting sponsor, Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in two thousand four. They'll also be the presenting sponsor of the Cup Race. Uh, at Worldwide Technology Raceway coming up in just a couple weeks in St. Louis. Fans can get tickets to any type of event, including sports concerts and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. Dominic, uh, we mentioned F1 there, and speaking of which, it was a Big weekend in American motorsports, not just in NASCAR. Absolutely. In American motorsports, not only do we have the NASCAR Cup race at Darlington, but the Formula One Grand Prix out in Miami. And i got to tell you what, looking at the numbers, and this is per Adam Stern with Sports Business Journal, the NASCAR race, of course, the most watched motorsport event in the country this weekend, usually is the case. But Tyler, not by that much. According to Adam Stern and the information that he put out on Tuesday, May 10th, NASCAR still edged out F1. But the viewership was like by less than three one-hundredths of a million. So that would be about 30,000 viewers, 2.61 million viewers for the NASCAR race compared to the 2.58 million viewers of the F1 race. Arguably to say, Tyler, 
and David, that Formula One certainly has a fan base here. And going head-to-head with NASCAR, I think it was a good gauge to see, okay, how popular is F1 compared to NASCAR? I got to say, there's a lot of hype around F1 right now and with the race in Vegas next year. It's very interesting to see how neck and neck it was. Well, and it is worth noting, there is one caveat to that, that the F1 race was on broadcast television. It was on ABC, uh, which you can watch for free, as opposed to the cup race was on FS1, which you have to have cable or satellite. So that's a difference of about 20 million homes had more access to watch the F1 race as opposed to the cup race on Sunday. But nonetheless, David, an impressive number from F1, head-to-head with NASCAR, and we saw Jeff Gordon, Danica Patrick, they were out there and such. Tom and Brady. Tom Brady was there, <laughs> the newest Fox Sports employee, the $37 million man. Yeah. Uh, but for, I look at it, David, I don't know about you, but you know, sure, it went head-to-head with NASCAR. I get that. That's going to rub some folks the wrong way, but you, know, you, you can't have everything. Um, but this is a win for all the motorsports. If F1's doing well, that's good for NASCAR. Well, I think it is. I mean, you got Tom Brady there at the, at the F1 race in Miami. And, you know, I just – and, Tyler, you, you're right, man. It's just good for all forms of auto racing. You know what I mean? And when you got all these superstars, somebody said Mike – Michael Trahan was there. I Mike, mean, you Mike got – Michael Strahan. Strahan and – Michael Jordan. Man, you know, all these stars and all the people that viewed into it, I just think – I think it really, it, it helps American auto racing. You know what I mean? Whether it's IndyCar, drag racing, NASCAR, I think it's just good for auto racing in general in America. You know what I mean? So uh, I think I think it's all great. And, you know, I don't really follow Formula One racing that much. Uh, I don't, very little. But I, I talk to a lot of people and they ask me, hey, have you, are you watching the Netflix uh, movie about F1, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not, you know, they said, oh my God, it's, if you watch one episode, it just grabs you and we can't stop watching it, you know what I mean? And I think it's really built their fan base in America. There's a lot of people that talk about that. I have not seen it and maybe you guys have. Uh, Doug, uh, what, what's been your uh, takeaways? What do you make of uh, what, what F1 did this weekend uh, out there in Miami? Well, I'm kind of like David. I haven't you know, I haven't really followed it and all, but I did tune in on some of that documentary type stuff that was out there about the F1 stuff. And and I watched that a little bit. You know, I worked with Gunther's, uh, Gunther Steiner that runs the Haas program over there for him. I worked with him at Red Bull. He was there. So I kind of knew him a little bit. So I see his face pop up there every now and then. And you know, about their tank team and stuff like that. So I, I pay attention to it in that way. But, you know, I've never been to an F1 race myself. Um, I, I would like to. I, I think it's always interesting to see how other organizations go about, um, I don't know, uh, we, we're, we're, we're sponsor-driven. We're, we're, a visual, we're a visual race team you know, visibility. We help people sell their product. And they have hospitality short of none from what, what I've heard on how they do and what they do for their guests and their sponsors. And, and then, you know, the experience that they can get the same as coming to, you know, a NASCAR event and sitting on a pit box sometimes. It's different levels of that. But uh, it, they're very similar platforms. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of B2B business on the F1 side as, as well as I've witnessed B2B business on the NASCAR side. When you pull a, a group of 
high profile companies, uh, big companies and pull them all in one place. And there's usually a lot of good that comes out of that. You know, Dominic, uh, to me, one of the things that also stood out, what, what F1 is doing that I think NASCAR should take notes from is attracting that younger audience in the 18 to 49 demographic, which is very important for advertisers. This past weekend, F1 had 735,000 viewers. NASCAR had 517,000 viewers. Over 200,000 more young people, 18 to 49, watched F1 than they did NASCAR this past weekend. They're doing something right to reach that younger base. They certainly are. And, and Tyler, I think you can attest to this as a kid, thinking back and having Cartoon Network sponsored cars or having animated figures on the cars like the Looney Tunes or SpongeBob SquarePants or having more interactiveness with, with Cartoon Network itself and doing commercials and gearing towards kids. I remember a lot of that, even down to, heck, Hot Wheels cars. And any kind of diecast and McDonald's Happy Meals. We've gotten away from that. I think that would be a great way to appeal. I, that certainly made me interested in the sport as a five, six-year-old tyke in New Mexico. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, the video games and such. I mean, you know, it, it, if I'm going to be honest here, you know, when it comes to the video games and the marketing, F1's doing a better job of appealing to the younger demographic than NASCAR is right now. You know, uh, I'm still – a NASCAR fan through and through, Dom, but I had my eyes on that F1 race. I was intrigued, uh, and I, I like their game plan of expanding the U.S. with this Vegas race next year, going to three races with Sincota, now Miami and, and Vegas here. I mean, uh, I love their strategy. F1 knows there's a big market in the U.S., untapped potential, and they're tapping into that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What else going on, Dom? Well, a few days ago, the NASCAR 2023 Hall of Fame class was revealed. In 2023, Matt Kenseth, 39-time race winner and 2003 Cup Series champion, will be among the three inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Kirk Shelmerdine, a four-time Cup Series crew chief and 46 race winner with Dale Earnhardt. He won the 86, 87, 90, and 1991 championships with the Man in Black. Also had a driving career, but being inducted for his driving and his, or I'm sorry, his crew chiefing abilities. And then Herschel McGriff on the Pioneer ballot. Herschel ran in the Cup Series in the 1960s, as late as 1994, guys even ran at K&N West Race as, as recent as 2018 at the tender age of 90 years old. So wow. definitely a great class that we're inducting in 2023. But I, I got to be honest with you guys, I'm a little bummed our guy Doug wasn't on the finals list. I'm a little bummed that Jeff Bodine was not on the finals list. I think there's a lot that can still be done going forward, but nonetheless, a very deserving class. Well, the, the National Hall of Fame is still very young, too. I mean, it's going to take some time to get some of these guys in. But, Doug, uh, what do you make of this uh, Hall of Fame class? Uh, we mentioned uh, you were at Roush right there during uh, some of the best days of uh, Matt Kinsley. Yeah, Matt was that was good. They were on their game, you know, also. And, and he was a like he was one of those drivers we, we always talked back and forth with. But he liked his car completely different than the aero package uh, than Greg did. But they could both go out there and win. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever you're comfortable with. I, I got a little idea. Maybe the, the young fan base, you were just talking about the F1 and all that. Maybe some of the NASCAR kids are a little upset that Eminem's not going to be there next year. <laughs> Maybe you're on to something there. Uh, okay. Colorful. That's a colorful car and all that. And, well, oh, wait a minute. I'm 62, but I like M&M's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
David, uh, that, that Hall of Fame class, uh, Matt Kids, if, uh, for, for me, what stands out about Matt getting in is, uh, you know, his time at Roush was impressive. But that second chapter, when he went to JGR, it felt like he, he had a chip on his shoulder. He was trying to prove something. And he was spectacular at JGR like he was at Roush. Hey, man, Matt, he, he just, you know, and, and Doug would tell you he's just a great race car driver. You know, you, you know, uh, you get him in the, the right circumstances, the right equipment, the right engines, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and the man, Matt, Matt was just, he was just great. Everything he got in, he was, he'd win. And uh, it was amazing, you know, and, and well-deserved being in the, in the hall of fame. Uh, you know, I, uh, I think of some other ones that aren't there yet that I would have thought would have been in there by now, but you know, Matt Kenson's well-deserved and, and congratulations to him. And uh, Kurt Shelmerdine, you know, I, 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 you know, I hear us talk about Kurt, you know, and it just, you know, I, I don't know why would Doug Richards not on the ballot, you know what I mean? And and uh, it's kind of wild to me, but it's, uh, but it's cool to see these people that we know. Um, Doug worked with Matt Kenson for years, and and obviously Kurt, and uh, it's cool to see him being inducted in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a uh, well deserved, and uh, and it's pretty cool to see it. Dom, uh, you were mentioned. Uh, we got to get. Doug in there, Jeff Bodine, the next few Hall of Fame classes. I believe Jimmy Johnson's going to be eligible next year, right? Who are some of the other names that are be, going to be coming up soon? Yeah, Jimmy Johnson's going to certainly be eligible. We all know he'll be a first-time ballot Hall of Fame. better be unanimous. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you, you look at seven wins, eighty or 82 wins, seven championships, and, and the tenure that he had, Hendrick Motorsports, one car, one crew chief for most of his entire career. I mean, I would think, too, Chad Knauss could be on that first ballot Hall of Fame with Johnson. The fact that he's no longer a crew chief and working in, in his more managerial role at Hendrick Motorsports, maybe those two are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. And I even look to Tyler. I, I look at some of these guys that are past champions. And, and correct me, fans, if I'm wrong, but I, I think Bill Rexford, the 1950 <laughs> champion, is the only one that is not a past champion, not part of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I feel like he should be very deserving. Any past champion of the Cup Series should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think to take that a step further too, Tyler, and we've talked about this before, but it's not really a stat hall, but I think a good gauge of a Hall of Fame is can you tell the history of that sport or that industry without that person? And there's your there's your measuring stick to see if that person is worthy to be in that Hall of Fame. Yeah. And that's a, absolutely. That's, you brought up a good point there, Dominic. David, some, any names that come to mind to you uh, in the future uh, besides who we mentioned and who should be in the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, there's so many, you know, I mean, there's so many great drivers and crew chiefs and team owners and uh, they've really made a big impact on the sport over the years. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, so many, you know, and, and uh, you know, is Buddy Baker and in, in, is Buddy Baker in the Hall of Fame? Is, I don't believe so. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, you know, there's just so many, you know, so, um, uh, you know, I, the panel that chooses who the, who the ballots are and who's going to be chosen to go into the Hall of Fame. That's, that's a tough job, you know, and I, I don't know who they are. I'm sure there are you know, a lot of people spread out, you know, through our industry. Right. Uh, but, man, I, I, uh, it's a tough job, you know, but there's definitely a lots and lots. We have a guest here with us today that's deserving to be in there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and so many others that aren't in there yet. But, hey, what a what an honor it is. I mean – you know, to, to win all the championships, win races, and, and do what everybody's done. Uh, but I think, I think 
you know, uh, I mean, I think it would mean everything to Doug, you know, uh, uh, I mean, you know, just to be a hall of famer in any kind of industry to be put yeah. in that, in that category is just God. I mean, I think that's the biggest honor you could ever have. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I think like promoters of the sport too, like Eddie Gossage probably. Humpy Wheeler. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, the Humpy, Humpy Wheeler is a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's so many. Oh yeah. And I thought about this too, Tyler. What about somebody like Tim Richmond or Neil Bonnet? Maybe they didn't have the longevity that a lot of these other guys had, but certainly worthy of the history in the sport and certainly worthy of a case of being in the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah. It's just, it's a shame that Tim Richmond is just overshadowed by the final days. Yes. But I, I think I can sit here and say that he would have been a, I think he would have been a threat for Dale. Um, at the time, as far as winning his championships, I think Tim Richmond could could have done the same thing, but you know he got a little spun out and to be gone and out of it like he did, and then come back and win the race. And that was there's some stories there, and I I spent time with him because he was my neighbor. He just he lived down the street from me here. He had a place on the lake, and you know I, I had the honor of going and hanging out with this guy, and he was a he was a no frills just wide open guy right it, if you wanted to do it he did it you got a fast boat we out there it's a jet boat with freaking pipes out the back Whoa! that's how he was he was at the racetrack he shows up in the big old motorhome you know now it's the industry standard come in on his bike have leathers on you know he was just that just that guy you know you look at the tim richmond books and stuff you look at the cover that was tim richmond I knew him. We hung out with him. But on the other hand, he was down to earth like everybody else. We'd fix him an egg sandwich and because I'd always go to the track real early and drivers didn't have to go early and Robin didn't have to get up early. So Robin would ride with Tim to the track and she made him an egg sandwich one time and they laughed like crazy because when he took a bite of that sandwich, it was still a runny yolk. And it ran all down his face. <laughs> that was their laugh for going to the racetrack, right? But, you know, here I am. I'm rambling again because I just, all of a sudden, I thought about a story, right? But I got oh, one more. Good. I got one that's more. great one, Doug. That's good. Now, uh, guys, uh, real quick before we move on to our Ask David segment, uh, I want to ask you, looking ahead this weekend at Kansas, Dominic, uh, who, who are you watching for? Uh, we, we've had 10 winners already, and there's still – Six playoff spots available here. Well, we're going to have eight past winners that have won a Kansas points awarding race in the field Sunday. And Greg Biffle would have been the ninth had he been part of the field on Sunday, but he's not entered. But Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano have each won three times there. I look at one of those guys. I mean, Logano off the win. Kevin Harvick, one of the longest losing streaks of his career. Finished runner-up in this race last year. And I look at Kyle Busch, who's won there twice. Kansas was the Achilles heel for him for a long time. Yeah, he goes out and does well there as of recent. Martin Truex Jr. always good. I think Brad Keselowski needs a good showing. And all those guys have won twice there. But, I mean, I look at the past history here, and I think that's really important to bring up because they've won there three times for a reason. They're good there consistently. And I would think Hamlin, Harvick, or Logano, your, your winner's very likely to come out of that. Yeah, give me one name, Doc. I'm going to go Kevin Harvick again. I know I was wrong last week, and Harvick got fifth. But Harvick gets it done this weekend in Kansas. 
I'm going to go with another guy that's been really good at Kansas. Uh, Martin Trex Jr. is the guy I'm watching for. I think uh, Truex gets it done. And uh, you could argue Kansas is maybe his best racetrack on the entire circuit. He's been really good there over the years. I'll go with uh, Martin. David, how about you? Man, you know, I, I think uh, uh, William Byron has something to prove. He's, he's, he's mad. He's oh, hot. yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, you know, you can't count out that, uh, you know, William Byron and then uh, Ross Chastain. I mean, this guy's on fire. Uh, you know, I, I would never expected to see him as dominant as he was this past weekend. But, God, he's, I mean, it's amazing what, what he's doing. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to just uh, – it's hard to pick one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chase Elliott, you know, Chase uh, – you know, he won a couple of weeks ago and had a little some issues this past weekend, but but that ended the but came out at the end at the end of the race with a decent finish. But I mean it's I mean it's it's so hard to choose who's gonna win the race. You know, I'd love to see Harvey get back into victory lane. He's had a long dry spell, but uh but man, it's uh I know this, it's gonna be a great race. I know that and um uh, and I'd I'd love to see Kevin Harvey back in victory lane. How about you, Doug? What do you think about this weekend's race? Well, you know, I was, I was, but right before you said it yourself there with Trackhouse Race and either one of them cars, I mean, every week, one yeah. of them's right there, you know, Ross Chastain more than the other. But, you know, Kyle Larson's still lurking around the corner there. <laughs> Absolutely. He, that, that guy could still show up when he needs to. <laughs> and yeah. Hendrick's, uh, Hendrick's organization is, you know, overall is running really well. And I, I think, I think he could come into play. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. You can't ever count him out. No, definitely <laughs> not. Our Ask David segment coming up in just a moment. Let's go racing with David Stiers, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang, and we want to tell you a little bit about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Series race throughout the season. Visit Ticketsmarter.com for more. And that's Ticketsmarter.com. Our first question from the inbox today comes from Alyssa. And it is for both uh, David and Doug. And Alyssa wants to know, guys, what's your go-to Subway sandwich? <laughs> one that doesn't hit, the one that doesn't hit you in the face. <laughs> 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 That's a good one, Doug. <laughs> I, I will say though, I'll 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 start off. Um, when I do usually go to a subway, I usually get the meatball sandwich. The meatball sandwich. Good yeah. choice. Man, I, I'm a steak guy myself, Doug. You know, on the wheat bread, uh, uh, American cheese, mayonnaise, lettuce, pickles. Man, a little salt and pepper. Can't beat it, dude. Every time, I'm a creature of habit, but I love subway, no doubt about it. Give me that cold cut combo <laughs> with the bread toasted. That was the best thing Subway ever did was allow you to start toasting the bread. I like those that cookies too. Those uh, those uh, dark chocolate cookies. You know those are real good. <laughs> Don, what what do you order at the Subway? Man, I love it when it's in season. A bowl of the broccoli cheddar soup. Now it's not on the menu year round, but that broccoli cheddar soup is always a good compliment to a sandwich. And I, pre-pandemic, I really enjoyed the, re the roast beef with the shredded cheese on it, some bell pepper, onion, tomato. Oh, boy, what a great sandwich. And in New Mexico, of course, you got to add green chili to it. So it would have the 12-inch on roast beef, wheat. I loved it. It was a great sandwich. 
Wait, so did the pandemic stop you from eating Subway? <laughs> Not necessarily that, but I've noticed the, the sliced roast beef that they used to have, at least the locations I've been to here in New Mexico, don't carry it anymore. So I don't know if that's a regional thing or if the, it's a nationwide issue or a worldwide issue, but they don't have they don't offer the roast beef that they used to offer. Okay, bring back the roast beef. Um, wasn't expecting to have that conversation on today's show, but here we are. Bring back the roast beef to Subway. I had no idea it was missing. Where's um, the beef? Yeah, where's the beef? Where's the beef? At Arby's. <laughs> where's the beef? That's a, I guess, it's a Taco Bell. Taco Bell or Arby's? <laughs> Arby's. Right, like Taco Bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Taco when Bell. all when it all fails, if you want a good hamburger, you just go to Waterburger, dude. That's true. <laughs> one, one one time, Dominic. Good probably, answer. Yeah, absolutely. Dominic probably remembers this too. This is about two years ago. Dominic was over at my apartment when I was living in Kansas. And uh, we were just hanging out one night. We went to, like, high school football game or something. And it's, like, 1130 at night. And I get a phone call from David. David, he's like, buddy, what are you doing? I said, eating Subway. What are you doing? Or uh, I said, I'm eating uh, Taco Bell. What are you doing? And he said, well, not too much better. I'm in the drive-thru at Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> Fast food. That's the way it is. That's right. right? Got to eat somewhere late at night. Um, the uh, next question, uh, this one is for Doug, and it comes from Brad. Doug, uh, Brad wants to know, of all the drivers you worked with, who was your favorite? Not necessarily the best, but who was your favorite driver you worked with? And you can't say David Starr. Golly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when you work with that many, there's, there, there's not just one, right? Because each... Each driver's got a different, a different thing that they brought to the light. I guess you know, it, it's hard to say. You know, different people's temperaments and their personalities and all that has a lot to do with what you take away from something. The enjoyment of either working, competing, and 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 ending up at the end of the day. Um, but I, I guess one of the Favorite ones as far as I don't care what kind of day I had. We could have been leading the whole race, blow a tire, hit the wall. Neil Bonnet would come over after that race. Doug, good job, man. You guys did a really good job. And see you next week. <laughs> I guess I'll say Neil Bonnet. Wow. David, uh, I, I guess for you then, along the same terms, you, you, yours would be teammates. Who were some of your favorite just teammates, some of the good guys you were around? Man, one of, one of them, you know, and people might be surprised, but one of my favorite teammates was Mike Skinner. You know, because Skinner was such a – man, he just uh, – you know, you're not going to get somebody that's more passionate about winning and and, uh, and and has won a lot and the stories. And, you know, I, I learned a lot. I paid a, I paid a lot of attention to Mike uh, – and, and, and it was great being his teammate at Randy Moss Motorsports. But, uh, but man, he, we were great friends and hard competitors. He had told me one time, he said, God dang it, I want to hate you. I want to hate you <laughs> because you raced me so freaking hard, but you raced me so clean, you know what I mean? So we, uh, but man, we were always racing, you know, we raced pretty hard together. But he, uh, what a great guy he, you know, Mike is and his wife, Angie. He was just a tough competitor, obviously. Uh, teammate to the, to uh, the late great Dill Earnhardt, you know, at Richard Childress Racing, but uh, but my favorite would be Mike Skinner. I feel like Skinner too would have been a good guy just to hang out with all the track. He was, 
And it kind of like hearing Doug talk about the different drivers, you know, Skinner, you know, Skinner, he's a, he's a hot mess. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean he played his guitar, he sung, and then, you know, he had the best wine. He, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he, he lived at large, you know, and, uh, but you know, everybody does it like, like, okay. okay. I got to tell you a real quick Skinner story. All right. Give it to me, Doug. So I went, I went back and I was helping Mike Skinner on his truck. Yeah. Was, I forget which year. Well, it just so happened to be the same year that I was doing some, um, uh, commentating from the booth for speed channel. So we went to Vegas, I'm working on the truck. We get it all ready to go and gets ready to go qualify. And then I run up to the booth, we start doing the deal and I'm up in the booth and, and, and they're running the race. So, and I'm listening to them, you know, but talking about the race, all this stuff, we win the race. And I had to run to victory lane <laughs> just to say I could be there. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, was, has that ever happened before? Man, that's nuts, dude. Yeah, it was just, you know, because it was like, work, 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 you know, the whole thing getting ready to go. You get there, and then you go up in the booth, and now you're watching it go around and talking about everything else, too. And, whoa, we won. Uh, can I go to Victory Lane? He <laughs> may have been a little biased in the booth that day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that didn't work out. I, I wish I could have worked that out. Yeah. I like talking about it. Yeah, that's cool, though. Wow. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You could have been like Tom Brady making now his $37 million from Fox. You, know? you never know. That's right. Before we go, let's uh, go around the room uh, real quick. Uh, Doug, uh, what's what's going on with you? Where can people uh, keep up with you and, and uh, see what's happening in your world? Well, I wish I, I wish there was a way to uh, contact other than giving out my cell phone number. <laughs> five, five, yeah. five, 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 five. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, pretty much there's uh, anybody in racing is, you know, got a little contact with me or whatever. I, I don't really have a website or anything like that. I mean, you can always send an email to uh, DTRichard at uh, me.com. If somebody would like to try to get a hold of me, that maybe they want to talk to me about a job, or maybe they, want me, maybe they want me to build you an island for your kitchen or some live edge shelf. I, it doesn't matter. I can do it all. Somebody hire Doug Richard. Let's make that happen off this show. Uh, Dominic, uh, what's going on with you, man? Well, I can breathe a lot better. Last week, I told you guys on the show we were gearing up for the prom here in town. For those who don't know, I work as a high school teacher and I was the class sponsor. So, definitely breathe after last week and putting that on and and Tyler just kind of like it makes me feel old right because 10 years ago we were going to prom school dances and now I'm old enough to chaperone Dom. hey Dom you ought to be glad you don't have people like Doug and myself that were students that you were going to chaperone <laughs> I'd be one rowdy class I would love that challenge absolutely or maybe even Tyler <laughs> oh man Tyler Tyler would be the dunce in the back with the little cone and everything in the corner hey. and no, no, no. I'm the one looking for the baddies, as they said. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah, probably. But yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sucks that we're not going to be there out there in Kansas, Tyler and I, but we'll watch from afar and, and we'll have remote coverage like we always do and look forward to being at Texas in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it feels weird. Uh, I'm not going to be at Kansas and I don't think I'm going to be at Texas next week either. But uh, nonetheless, I'll be watching and rooting uh, everybody on and. I know that you do a great job, Dominic, and, and certainly rooting on David as well. David, uh, you got a weekend at home as Xfinity's off this weekend, uh, not racing at Kansas, but then a big weekend for you next week 
with the Texas race and uh, you got some racing schools in between too. Man, just our, you know, our team, Texas High Performance Driving School, will be busy at Texas Motor Speedway this weekend with the C10 uh, Chevrolet Nationals there, giving race car rides, and our limousine will be running, and uh, and then getting ready for the Texas race next week, the following weeks. Excited, uh, which I didn't mention it earlier, but in Darlington this past weekend, man, our Ticket Smarter Ford Mustang was awesome, and uh, man, but it's like I think I ran my fastest lap on lap. 98 or 99 and, and we had a great car and uh and it's like doug somebody flipped a light switch on me man and next thing you know i couldn't run wide open and turn in the middle of one and two i was so freaking loose and could uh couldn't get off turn two and and man i had a great car for 100 laps in the last 47 laps it was night and day difference and that was like shocking and uh, we found out yesterday i was in charlotte yesterday at the shop and uh one of the guys from Champions had sent called and sent some pictures and said, "Hey man, your uh, your valve stems busted off on on the uh, for the uh, for the innerliner. So our right rear innerliner was out of air, and uh, no wonder it was loose. You know what I mean? And and uh, so it was it drove different. But man, we had a you know it's a shame, and, and we talk about it all the time. We we've had a fast race car. Our, our ticket smarter Ford Mustang has been awesome, but uh, just." Uh, little bad luck, you know, so I'm looking forward to getting back to Texas and, and uh, racing here at my hometown and uh, getting back in that car and see if we can uh, put it all together and get us a great finish here soon. Yeah, certainly looking forward to that. Guys, uh, we got to go. As always, subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Wednesday at Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Leave us that five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit the like button. <laughs> Uh, as well. We certainly would appreciate it. You can find us on social media, Twitter at Star Podcast, Facebook.com slash David Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. We'll see you right back here next week here on Let's Go Racing. Dominic Argon, David Starr, Doug Richard, and Bob